Welcome to SEL Unfiltered. If you are a teacher, counselor, or educator looking for additional SEL resources and encouragement, you are in the right place. Stick around to empower the SEL guide in you. This week, we are continuing our series on overcoming the impact of COVID. This series, we are looking at the impact of COVID on SEL skills and how to recover and excel from those deficits. Today's episode, we are going to play What's Good Wednesday. We will take a look at how we can recover from the impact of COVID, and we will finish things off by answering our question of the day. I am your host, Michelle Shepard, and I am joined today by my trusty co-host, Caitlin Baldwin. We are just two middle school counselors in the trenches wanting to share our unfiltered SEL tips and tricks that we have learned and developed over the years with you. All right, let's get down to the nitty gritty of recovering from the impact of COVID. Okay, so we know last week was like a bit depressing, um, talking about the impact of COVID and how we've kind of fallen behind and you know, the the mental effects. It was really sad. It was a little (laughs) depressing. But that doesn't mean our kids are down for the count and we just give up on them. Because what we have learned over anything is that they're resilient. And we are resilient as people, as humans. We just need to give them the tools to catch up. So as educators, as counselors, as parents... As a community, we can help our kids recover and become even stronger than they were. I love that. I hate we ended last week on such a negative note. Like, (laughs) guys, please just listen until the next week. It will get better. But it's true. You're right. Our kids are resilient. That was one of the impacts of COVID. Our kids are resilient. Mm -hmm. And so we're going to dive in and talk about just how resilient our students are and how we can make them even more resilient. But before we do that. Game time. Game time. So today we're going to play What's Good Wednesday. And this is just a simple activity that you can do in your class at the beginning of the day. You can do it if you just realize that your kids need a break for a minute. You could do it in a small group. It's really simple. And it's something that you could do every single week so that your kids are looking forward to it. It's a great way to do a check-in as well. It builds relationships with students so that they can hear things. It helps them focus on the positive, but then they're also listening to other students and how other students are focusing on the positive. So I like to think of this as a game that you could consider a take five, right? So taking five minutes, whether it's the beginning of the day, in the middle of class, end of the day, taking five to get your kids to do something to get them refocused, recentered in, in a fun way. I love it. Your take fives are the best too, by the way. They're great. I love your take fives. So you can also, there are lots of ways that you can do this. You can do it around the room or you can just call on a few students or you can even popcorn. Popcorn. You can write the the question on the board and as students are coming in, they can write their answer down and then you can discuss it as a group when you're done. So there are plenty of ways that you can play What's Good Wednesday. So the question for What's Good Wednesday is to share one good thing that has happened this week. Do you want to go first or me? Sure, I'll go first and I'll add a funny story to it. Okay. Okay. So one good thing that happened this week was I got to go have ice cream with my best friend and her kids last night. Love ice cream. (laughs) Um, I do too. And apparently I love ice cream so much that her four-year-old told me that I came out of Frosty Boy's belly. 
Yeah. True story. It happened. Oh my gosh. That's hilarious. Yes. Okay. One good thing for me this week. Well, we're on spring break this week. So yesterday my husband went to work and my child went to daycare and I had the entire day to myself. What did you do? I mean, I I got a little bit of work done, which felt good to me just to get that out of the way. I watched so many TV shows. (laughs) Oh my goodness. And I got a workout in. So it was just kind of nice for me to have a day to do whatever I wanted on my own schedule. Little self-care day. Yes. I loved it. That's awesome. Okay. So what's good Wednesday? Ask your students what's one good thing that happened this week. And it gives them an opportunity to focus on a positive thing and not just negative things. Because we know adolescents can be very negative. Very true. (laughs) Very negative. So today we're talking about recovering from the impact of COVID. And I found a quote for you guys this week. And the quote is, you can't smooth out the surf, but you can learn to ride the waves. And I have no idea who wrote that. But that quote, I feel, is perfectly aligned when we say our kids are resilient. Yeah. Like teaching them to ride the waves. It's never going to be smooth. Life, Life is not smooth. No. Now, did we predict a pandemic? No. But we can teach them to get through it. Well, hopefully one of the, you know, last week we talked about the impact of COVID and it was pretty negative, but I'm wondering if one of the positive things that has come from this is just learning to overcome difficulties, learning to overcome obstacles just naturally so that our students are more resilient as they're growing up. Absolutely. And so we talked a lot about the impact of COVID and how it you know, how it impacted their education, how it impacted their mental health. And so what are we going to do to recover from these things? And the first topic that we want to talk about recovering from is mental health, because it was so, so impactful to mental health. And, you know, one of the statistics that we read from the CDC was that there was a 31% increase of adolescents going to the ER for mental health issues. And so that's alarming to us and we Mm -hmm. want to fix that. And what can we do to help improve the mental health of our students at school? And I think a big piece of that is talking about mental health. Yeah. Like it is not a taboo subject. And I know when I have kids in my office and I say to them, you're not the only one who feels this way. I think they almost sometimes have like a light bulb moment of like, wait a second. There's other kids in sixth grade who are struggling like me. And I say, yes. And then they're like, wow. Okay. Like it's like, sometimes they feel like, oh, I'm, it's me. I'm terrible. I'm broken. Yeah. And then when I tell them like, it's all of you, it's all of us. Like together, I think it does make a big difference when you talk about it. It does. And you know, as we're talking about this, there is a club that you can bring to your school. It's definitely for high schools. It's called Bring Change to Mind, uh, but they are starting some pilot programs with middle schools and our middle school is one of the pilot programs. So hopefully in the next year or so, they will fully roll that out for middle schools. But the whole club is specifically about mental health and bringing awareness to mental health and making it not taboo. So this is a great time to look into uh, bringing a club to your school that shows that it's not so bad and it's not so scary. So bring change to mind. 
you can look that up online if you're interested in bringing that to your school. That's a great point. Another thing we can talk about when recovering is teaching our students coping strategies. So again, remember they were out of school, not in person for like on and off for a year and a half. So some of the coping skills that they had learned, they might've forgotten. So reintroducing those. So examples would be, you know, breathing techniques, journaling, music. I mean, the list goes on and on, but just taking the time to introduce those to your students. So I know we at our school had made at the beginning of the year, seven days of coping skills, like a PowerPoint for our teachers to show where it taught different skills each day. So kids could kind of try out the different ones and see what worked for them. And it was great. And it's something that um, I reintroduced halfway through the year, just as like a refresher for some of our kids. And it's true that one coping skill doesn't fit all. So giving your students multiple to choose from so that they can find the one that really works for them and the one that they like using. Mm -hmm. Another thing we can do about recovering is utilizing SEL lessons doing community community meetings or nurture groups. So that could be within a smaller group of kids within your class, taking 10, 15 minutes to, to build a bond in a little community within your classroom. And a big thing is showing grace. Show grace to your students. Show grace to yourself. I know personally that's something I struggle with because we're all still having the effects of COVID and knowing that we need to just give ourselves some grace and we're still learning how to adapt afterward. Absolutely. And if you're looking at doing SEL lessons for your school, we have a lot of coping skills on our YouTube channel, little videos that you can watch of breathing techniques. If you want full lessons for all of your grades, middle school, high school, and special education, you can go to themindtrek.com mm-hmm. and we have education programs for all three grades with lots of activities to go through on those. And then we post up on our social media all the time and in our blog posts. So find some resources there if you're interested. Absolutely. And our programs are really geared towards the teachers taking on the initiative to teach their kids. It's not really us teaching your kids. We want you to do it. So we will provide you with the resources to do that. Because again, when we talk about those community meetings and those nurture groups, we want you to build that relationship within your classroom. Um, the next thing we can talk about is small groups. So typically I would say this is something maybe the counselors in your building would do, but not necessarily, but that's typically how we are at our school doing mm-hmm. small groups. Interns. We love the interns. We love interns. Um, anxiety groups. Those are really big right now with the amount of anxiety our students are facing groups for depression or for grief or I know for me, I've had a lot of friendship groups that are working on positive communication with our peers. Oh, that's good. Or even the groups, little lunch groups or friendship groups where you're looking at how to make a friend. Mm -hmm. Because some of our students have forgotten that and putting those shy students together in a little lunch group where maybe they become friends with each other and you help facilitate that a little bit. Absolutely. And it makes them just know, even if they don't become best friends, it's just another face around the building that they know. I love that. Then think about mental health referrals. Where can you refer students to when it's beyond your skills to handle? So if you're a teacher and you're referring them to the counselor in your building, or perhaps you're the counselor in the building, where do you refer when 
you've exhausted your abilities and your skills and they need true therapy that you can't provide at school. So gathering that list together of your community resources and what is available to you and to parents to refer those students to. And then another thing that you can do for your staff, if you haven't already done so, is QPR training. And that is essentially... You can look it up online. Sometimes you can find free QPR training or something your district can look at, but that's really just helping staff and staff recognize the signs of suicide and know what to do when they see some of that stuff. So just giving a little bit more comfort to your staff in those situations. And then we move on to recovering from the social issues and the bullying issues. And so how do we do that? And one of the best ways we already talked about before were those SEL skills and those nurture groups and those community groups, because we're building relationships with students. And when students have relationships with one another and have empathy for one another, they are less likely to bully each other. And they're more likely to stand up and become upstanders and stand up for one another. I was just going to say, that's a great way for the empathy piece is just building those nurture groups, social groups where they are face to face to be able to recognize facial expressions. Yeah. That your classmates have feelings too, Mm -hmm. not just you. There are other people in the world beside you and your classmates are some of them and you're with them every single day. And you talked earlier about those friendship groups and those lunch groups of just getting those kids together and being able to interact with one another in a little bit more of a structured environment so they learn the skills so then they can go do it on their own. And then getting students involved in a kindness club or creating a kindness week at your school where all week is focused on kindness and you have a kindness challenge where maybe you hand out cards that give them suggestions of kind things to do and they do the kind thing and they pass the card along or having a kindness challenge where give them a list of opportunities and see how many they can fill out or maybe like a kindness bulletin board where they get to put a heart or a star or a sticky note or something on the bulletin board when they've done something kind and fill up the wall. I feel like there's so many cool kindness challenges that you can do that it's sometimes overwhelming to think about. So if you have any really cool kindness challenges, please email us those because I would love to see the variations of kindness challenges that you can do. And we can put those together in a in a blog post or a podcast for you guys and share them with everyone. So if you have something really cool that you've done in your school that you think works well, email us. We'd love to hear from you. Yeah. Cause I think it's something you could utilize multiple times throughout the year. So if you had a few different ones in your toolbox, that would be awesome. That'd be really fun. Wouldn't it be cool to do something every single month? Yes. It's a little overwhelming, but, but if you had like resources of it, yeah. Talking about your next point, I'm not going to jump ahead. Maybe I will with the student ambassadors. They can help you. Yeah. So we have this group at our school called Student Ambassadors. And our student ambassadors are designed to be a welcoming group for your building. And they really are there to welcome new students, to give new student tours, to just be that friendly face for that person as they come in. But we also utilize them to spread kindness throughout the building all year long. And so we meet with them and kids come up with amazing ideas for kindness. So give them the opportunity to come up with some ideas for your school and what they think is cool. And we recommend 
it, I guess it would depend on the size of your school. So we have about 20 students for student ambassadors. Which is a lot, just so you know. It is a lot. <laughs> but I wouldn't do more than that. No. 12. 12 is a really nice number. <laughs> 20 is a lot. Michelle thinks 12. I, I like our 20, but they're also my students. so Because you couldn't turn them away. That's why you like 20. <laughs> but it's also a great way for those kids to get involved, too. It is. Student Ambassadors is really fun. You can also take Student Ambassadors to the next level and use them as an advisory committee mm-hmm. and get their their feedback on different things in the building. You can or have your own advisory committee, but... Student Ambassadors is a great group. And then think about re-educating your students on appropriate ways to interact. They've forgotten. They don't remember. Students need educated. We have expectations for students and our students aren't necessarily meeting those expectations right now. And we are just punishing them instead of realizing that they might not remember how to do that. And so we need to do a little bit more educating and a little bit more re-educating of what are the rules? How do we behave? What is an appropriate way to talk to a friend? What is an appropriate way to talk to someone that you don't get along with and kind of redefine the boundaries of your school and your classroom? Yes. So that was amazing. I love redefining the boundaries. I think it's needed for all of our students. Um, we're giving you guys so many things right now, but I'm going to give you a couple more. So we, I did briefly mention the take five when we talked about, um, our game of the day. So that's something else that you could do as a take five, taking those breaks for five minutes, whether it's during class, before class, end of class. You could do daily check-ins. I know in our building, that's really popular with a lot of our teachers. Most of my teachers do that as a like a Google form that they have questions and then the kids can fill it out and just send it to them. So it's pretty quick and easy. And I know my students especially really love that because they feel like it's their teachers are listening to them and really care about how they're feeling. And it's so quick and it doesn't really take away from your like academic learning time. And it just helps build connections with your students and empathy because they learned to trust you and, you know, you're trusting them. And it's just a great way to do that. Another thing that you can do when recovering from COVID is those guidance lessons. I know I mentioned we did one about appropriateness in the hallway, but you could do any topic of a guidance lesson that you felt like would be needed at your school. Um, We break ours down by classrooms or by teams of teachers. You could do it by grade level, depending on how big your school is. And again, covering any topic you felt like you needed. Then we talked a lot last week about the academic impact of COVID and so and how that is really impacting the mental health of our students. So let's take a quick look at some of the ways that we can recover from that academic impact. And one of those ways is to have a plan for remediation. We know that many of our students need remediation. And working with your administrators in your school, if you don't have a plan for that already, but how are you remediating your students? Are you pulling students out of class? Are you doing like small group math help? Do you have a designated time in the day where students are getting pulled for additional help? Do you have additional staff members that are coming in and meeting those needs? We know that students have gaps. And so if you don't have a plan for remediation, 
I feel like you are going to be putting out fires for a very long time. So to work with your administrators to get that plan in place to kind of help fill those holes and fill those gaps so the students can start excelling and start feeling better about themselves. And then my big, probably my big soapbox is to help teachers understand that students are a year to a year and a half behind in their skills. So academically, they're behind. But more importantly than that, socially and emotionally, our students are behind. So your current eighth graders at this point are probably mid-year seventh graders or beginning of the year seventh graders. And when we are expecting them to act like mid-year eighth graders, they're falling short. And so we need to really meet them where they are and bring them up. Instead of just having the expectation of well, you're in eighth grade, you need to act this way. We need to go down and meet them where they are and teach them those skills and then bring them up like that. I am all about having high expectations for students because I do believe that students rise to those expectations, but it's also important to meet them where they are and bring them up to those expectations. And to have realistic expectations. I think I've had a lot of conversations with the teachers I work with this year and it took about halfway through the year where it was kind of like aha moments of hold up, even though we're back to in learning and you know, the quote unquote pandemic's over, it's not over with our kids. And I think once the teachers, like it turned on and clicked, the whole dynamic of their class has changed of how they're teaching them, meeting them where they are socially, emotionally, academically, it's leaps and bounds been an improvement for them because they're not like, we're like dragging them along, right? You can't work harder than your students are working. Correct. So other things that we can offer for academic concerns when recovering is homework help clubs. We have an after-school homework club that meets on Tuesdays. That's so wonderful for our kids. We also have tutoring that we can give to our parents like information about for their students to have. So just that extra boost can be helpful academically for kids to kind of get back on track. Well, and tutoring is so expensive that some families can't afford it. So looking at your school, do you have free options for tutoring Mm -hmm. at your school available? Does your education foundation provide any free services? Are there community groups around that provide free tutoring services? That might be something to take a look at. As you're going on. And then another great thing is to teach growth mindset. And if you don't know anything about growth mindset, um, take a look at some TED Talks by Carol Dweck. And she really coined the term of growth mindset and the power of yet. And it's essentially, I don't have it yet doesn't mean I can't do it at all. It just means I don't have it yet. And so that mindset really changes the way students face obstacles and face failure. When they have a growth mindset, they see, I don't have it yet. And so a failure is not a stumbling block to them. Failure excites them because they're learning from it and they're learning something new and then they can improve in the future. When you have a fixed mindset and you fail, you own that personally and you say, well, I failed, so I'm stupid and I can never do this. And so then they just shut down. So if we're trying to keep our students from shutting down in class because we know things are hard right now, teaching them that growth mindset and teaching them that it is okay to fail and it's okay to not have it yet is really beneficial to them. I think that's a great skill to learn, the power of yet. I I think that's something I need to work on still. It's hard sometimes. It's very hard. It's very hard. So on to our question of the week. 
And the question of the week is where we want to hear from you and answer the tough questions. We are SE Unfiltered for a reason. So email us your questions at podcast at themindtrek.com. Ready for today's question? I'm ready. Okay. Do you have to have special training to teach SEL? We get this question all the time. Mm -hmm. So when I first think of that question, you initially are thinking, well, maybe. Because SEL, like we've talked a lot about it and there's a lot that goes into it. Mm -hmm. But no, you really don't. You are teaching humans to be humans. You're teaching kids how to be good little humans. That's all. You're building relationships and teaching students to do the same thing. That's really simple. It's That's a simple so answer. Simple. And the big takeaway is just listen. If you are listening to your students and teaching them how to have good listening skills, that's that's everything, really. And you need to model appropriate behavior, which as an edu- educator, you're already doing that. Mm-hmm. So you're doing SEL sometimes without even knowing you're doing mm-hmm. SEL. And you have no training. You're just doing it. There's just extra tools that you can be provided to just amplify your SEL skills. Yeah, absolutely. Some lesson plans that are scripted for you, some activities that are already drawn out so you don't have to do the legwork. And we do have those at the MyTrick. So check Mm -hmm. out our website if you're interested in those. Then ask questions if you need help. Yeah. We're here for you. We're here for you. And hopefully this week gave you some encouragement and feeling like there's a light at the end of this COVID tunnel and that our kids are resilient and they're going to be okay. They are going to be okay. And if you want more ways to recover from COVID and the impact of SEL, come back next week where we're talking about overcoming anxiety. Yep. Keep listening. This has been SEL Unfiltered. Thanks to our sponsor, the MindTrek SEL program, guiding people of all ages to make the impossible possible by giving them the tools to overcome stress, build stronger relationships, and climb their Everest. You can find them at themindtrek.com. If you have feedback or want us to answer your SEL questions, email us at podcast at themindtrek.com. We would love to hear from you. Join us next time to empower the SEL guide in you.